Good afternoon, Live Fearless Inc. family. It is another episode of Live Fearless Inc. Chronicles. And of course, we have my co-host, Yannick Smith, our board administrator with us. Everybody. And, sorry. And <laughs> our very, very special guest, Ms. Brittany Wright. And we will have her share all about herself, what you need to know. She is a Black-owned entrepreneur. Um, she is... Uh, a domestic violence advocate and also a domestic violence survivor who is a mom taking care of her family. And we're going to talk all about her and learn about her today. So welcome, Miss Brittany, to Live Fearless in Chronicles. Thank you so much for having me. I'm like so excited. I, I love, 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 love your podcast. Love, love, love. Thank you for being with us and taking the time to share with us. We appreciate um, you being open and willing to participate and be a, a guest on our podcast. So let's get started. So if you could choose or describe yourself in five words, this is my infamous first question, by the way, what would they be? Five, I would definitely have to say um, strong, ambitious, um, friendly, that's quiet yeah quiet as at, at times quiet um five words I, I just thought I can just like funny <laughs> <laughs> funny loving um definitely like yeah just a great person overall <laughs> great person overall I love it I love it I love it and I will attest to that. I must agree. Um, I've known you for over, um, what, is it over a year now? Yeah. yeah. And I can attest to all of that. All of that. <laughs> the time just, whew. I know, right? So fast. So tell me, what is one thing that everyone tells you you are great at doing? Everyone tells me that I am a great listener. Yeah, and that's really important to listen. And we don't have enough listeners in the world today. So that is a gift. And we thank yeah. you for being a great listener. Do you think being a great listener, does it help add value to you, how you see people and how you perceive the world? Yes, yes. Um, just to, to dig in a little deeper that I think a lot of people don't, they're not active listeners. Um, they say that they're listening, but if you follow up with them, there's like, you know, it's just a, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. sometimes it's good to be that, that active listener. Um, so you can fully be there to support, um, whoever just kind of wants to just, just want someone to listen to them. Sometimes right. people want to, you know, to hear your thought through your opinions. Mm -hmm. They just want someone to listen. Right. I say that all the time. Sometimes your opinion is not wanted, but your ear is definitely needed. <laughs> that is so true. Yannick, yeah, you have a question? I do. Um, so if you don't mind sharing, I know that you're a mom. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. So I am a mother and I love it. And I think it's like the best job in the, the whole entire world. Yes. I have... Um, four beautiful daughters so three are mine and I have a stepdaughter but she's she's my daughter <laughs> so, that's um, a bonus daughter. <laughs> yes that's my bonus 
uh, and and I I love her tremendously. So I just think that being a mother, it, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, it's a hard job. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get yeah. me wrong. Um, it's a job that you know it takes time. Like you, you don't, you don't, you don't have the instructions. You don't know what to do. You just, I feel like it just happens. It takes time. It's a learning. On the Always job. learning. <laughs> Always <laughs> learning. Always learning. So Brittany, how old are they? The, your daughters? The ranges? Their real age or the way they act? <laughs> the real <laughs> Well, I guess we could technically only go by the real age. <laughs> okay. So I have an 11 year old who will actually, she'll be 12 um, next month. And yeah, so excited for her child. I have a nine year old, an eight year old and a five year old. Oh, wow. They're all like right behind each other for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun for sure. That's good. They can grow. They can grow close. Like there's not like this huge this huge gap, you know, they're all still playing with dolls or in yeah. some, in some, somewhere in that. Do kids play with dolls anymore? I don't even know. But yeah. <laughs> it, like my five-year-old still plays with dolls. So mm -hmm. I just want her to stay like that for right. <laughs> right. So let's get into your experience with domestic violence. What was your first, or what was your experience with domestic violence? So I am actually a child of domestic violence. So I grew up in a household where um, it was every day. Um, mm -hmm. It was, to be brutally honest, it was like my, my father with the physical. And then I think at one point when my mother got her strength, it was more her with the verbal. I think mm -hmm. it was more open um, until they, they, they got a divorce. So mm -hmm. there as a child, I, I'm just, oh, that's going to be me. Never going to let anyone talk to me like that or put their hands on me. Unfortunately, I fell right into that cycle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I fell into the cycle over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was just something I, that I don't know. And I, I remember when I came of age and I had a conversation with my dad and I yelled at him and I said, I always fall from men like you. Mm. and then that's when mm -hmm. it actually, like hit me um but it's just it's it's a cycle and still even now I I struggle mm -hmm. I don't think you ever fully become um a survivor of it I think you you become stronger from it mm -hmm. um so I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> so you mentioned that your mom and, and father got a divorce. Around what age was that when they divorced? How old were you? Twelve. Twelve. Okay. So did it impact you as a child as far as how you related to um, people, relationships? Um, did it cause you to be shy? Did it cause you to be angry with, you know, your peers of, of your age? Like what impact did it have on you in your childhood? Oh, it had a huge impact. I was, um, go back to one of the things to describe myself, quiet. I have, I was always a quiet child, always reserved. Um, but going through that, it really made me feel like I couldn't open my mouth. I couldn't talk. 
I, I didn't have an opinion. I didn't have a voice. No one's right. going to listen to me anyway. Right. Um, right. So I continued well, being that kind of shelter person. And my mom sheltered me too. Mm-hmm. I think she wanted to protect me. Yes. In some ways. Yes. Um, which was not always a good thing. Right. <laughs> so funny when you say that, because I feel like my experience was pretty identical to yours, where I was quiet and silent and I didn't have a voice. And I just kind of like, I wanted to fold, like if I could blend in with the wall and be the same color, like camouflage myself, that was my always my desire. And when you said about your mother sheltering you, yeah, my mother did that for years. Like, I mean, well into my 20s and my 30s, honestly. Well, she tried to do her best with what she knew, you know, or what I would even share with her from, you know, my own embarrassment. So I definitely, definitely can relate. But you mentioned that you, your dad, like you had a conversation with him and you told him that I always fall for men like you. What in the world did he say? Like, how did he react to that comment? He didn't say anything, and I think with my father, he's he's a man of very little words. Mm. He's very quiet. Um, so he didn't say much. He was very hot headed. You know, he, mm-hmm. his temper, his anger is just like. But he's real quiet too. You know, sometimes I say them quiet ones. I don't want to put the label on it, but right, because <laughs> <laughs> you used to be one of those. <laughs> yeah. It's like he he didn't have much to say, but then I feel like he probably didn't even know what to say because in his eyes, he didn't feel like he was really doing anything wrong. And I am, I'll just tell my age, I don't care. I'm going to be 35. And it wasn't until like these past few years that we really had a relationship where I can talk to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be quite honest, I feel like we've had this relationship over the past few years only because my mother passed away. And mm-hmm. I feel like he's the only parent that I got left. So right. let me salvage that relationship. But there are some times where I'm just like, how could you do that to someone that you love? Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, okay, so let me go back. So you mentioned that the reason why you all have this relationship now is because you pretty much forced the relationship between you all, like you initiated and did the work to try to start working with your relationship with your dad. Yes. Prior to that, um, what was your relationship with your father and how did that reflect on your relationship with other people in, in relationships, meaning romantic relationships? Mm-hmm. Um, so the funny part is I was always a daddy's girl. Mm. Um, I'm his only daughter. So I was always a daddy's girl. I was a little bit of a tomboy when I was younger. Like I just didn't mind getting dirty or playing. So we, we were, um, we were close, you know, like I really didn't have any ill feelings and nothing with my mom. She didn't really speak bad about him, you know, like in front of us too. So it was, it's like, we, I don't know. Um, wasn't a bad relationship when I was younger. However, once they divorced and he, when he left, he left. Mm. He was gone. Um, I did have- Oh, he wasn't present. He was- He he wasn't present. Um, When we had, when I was older, we had a conversation. His, His thing was, your mom didn't want me there. So I left. Not knowing how that really affected me. Right. 
Because a mother, you know, as, as as strong as we are as mothers, we can't we can't do two jobs. And I'm gonna be very, very honest. I feel like it's hard, like it is. supports that they need in certain areas and okay. we just can't provide both. We cannot provide, exactly. No. I totally agree with that. And I know the impact of not having your father present has on you as a girl. Um, how you see first of all, being in witnessing abuse and how you excuse your view on relationships and how you see relationships mm-hmm. and what they should look like. But then also when you don't have the father there to support you and tell you you're beautiful, you're great, treat you like a man supposed to treat you. So those two things, those two missing elements exactly. or those two broken elements does lead to you know women getting into relationships that are unhealthy because we don't have a framework of what healthy relationships look like exactly. um, so you'll fall for the first hey beautiful right absolutely oh my the goodness he one. sees me yeah he noticed me oh my oh, god you don't be. i don't i don't look like nothing and he just called right. me beautiful. right 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 yeah, no so that's really 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 good key points and then you mentioned when you had that conversation, you said you said that to your dad and you said it had an impact on you. So I guess saying it outwardly really helped you understand that you were dating your dad. Mm-hmm. What, if any changes, or what did that do for you? Like what made, what happened after that for you and your, your process? It, it really hit me. Like, it made me realize, oh my gosh, these are the type of men that I'm dating. Why? Because mm-hmm. in my head, I'm like, I knew that I wasn't dating the type of men that I should. I knew what they were doing to me were, were, was wrong. I knew no one deserved to be punched or beaten or, you know, have guns. Like, nobody deserved, like, nobody deserves that. But I think, like, saying that was, like, it, it got it out of me it, it just it got it out it became real mm-hmm. where I was like okay yeah no I'm not doing this no more good okay so at that time were you in a relationship with someone yes okay I was in a relationship with someone and what did you end up doing did you end up leaving did you leave right away or did it take you some time to to come up with the plan it took me some time because I was in love, <laughs> I was in love. Um, and then he, this this person had embedded in my head that no one is gonna want me. No one's gonna wanna be with me. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Who won't wanna be with you? No one's gonna be with right. you. There's other, um, excuse me, I might cuss, I'm about to cuss right now. There's other bad bitches out there. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they got body, yeah. you know, nobody's right. gonna be with you. Right. So, so I felt like he was all I was all I had mm-hmm. or all you could have mm-hmm. at that time okay. Okay. now <laughs> I love your face when you said that you like <laughs> let's clarify at that time <laughs> now and Nick you had a, a follow-up question um, well, just to go back to your parents for just a moment, because you also talk about your mom sheltering you. So um, just to clarify, when you speak of like the um, the verbal abuse from your mom, the verbal abuse from your mom, was that directed at you or was it directed at your dad, like them arguing? Um, a little of both. Okay. So it was directed at, at, my, at my dad. Um, 
certain things to it was certain words she would use sometimes and now that I think about it, it was like belittling mm-hmm. um but then there were times that her verbal abuse was directed towards me and I think it was more so because the anger she had towards my dad okay she was taking it out on me on you mm. and, and it was like certain things that I probably did and it was like oh you're sneaky just like him or triggers you know just certain things and I'm just like so then again I go back in my little cocoon and I was one of those girls that would just write everything in the book I wrote everything down um I couldn't feel, wow. like, I could feel like I could verbalize it in, in right right so let me ask you you said you wrote everything down in the book do you still have that I don't because we moved okay. but um <laughs> I found some a letter that I wrote when my mom passed away and we like was going through stuff. I found I did find a letter that I that I wrote, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> really? Did you write it to your mom or you just wrote it? It was just I just wrote it because I used to just write letters. Okay. Um, I remember it was times that I did used to write letters to my mom. She didn't like that. She was like, why can't you just talk to me? But I felt like I couldn't talk. Like nobody's gonna listen. Right. Write a letter. Okay. So, but put it on dresser. <laughs> wow. So, did you ever share with your mom how the verbal abuse might have affected her? I'm, I'm sorry, affected you, whether it was direct or indirect towards you. I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when I turned 18, um, I grew up in Georgia. I'm back here now, and I turned 18. I secretly bought a ticket, and I was coming to New York. My father's side of the family was from New York. Um, I don't know. I, I, when I made this plan, I didn't know where I was going to stay, but I knew I didn't want to stay with my mama and I knew it just wasn't going to work out. So I went to New York, um, probably for that first year, me and my mom really didn't talk, you know, we really didn't talk. And it wasn't until, um, you know, she kind of got sick. And I remember this conversation that we had where she apologized to me for some things. Um, and it's funny because my brother probably don't even know we had this conversation at her and I had this conversation, but she apologized, you know, and I know she did. She just didn't want me to follow and do the same thing that she, you know, she did. Right. She wanted to protect me and I get it. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. As a mother now, I find myself kind of doing the same things with my daughters but then I remember how it made me feel so right. a little bit more open. And I want them to talk to me. Like, talk to me about anything. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to scream. Right. Like talk to me. Um, right. Oh, wow. So there was some resolve for you there um, by her apologizing. So um, she basically acknowledged the impact that it could have had, that it had on you. And how did that make you feel like? Oh, it made me feel great that's what I needed mm-hmm. um, and in that conversation she said to me too that um because I was like I said I was in New York she was still in Georgia and she said to me that she knows that I don't tell her everything that was going on but she worries mm-hmm. she's gonna get a phone call one day that I was dead mm-hmm. um, and that's when she said that to me and when she apologized you know I feel like I needed that mm-hmm. because I didn't share didn't share things with my mom because I was so right. scared out. I was on my own. Right. I didn't want anyone to say, I'm right. See, I told you, you know. 
I, mean, I told you so. It's, it's so much that makeup can hide. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it, it's just like a mother knows. It would be time she would randomly call me because she would feel like she said she just felt something. Her spirit just wasn't right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Right. Meanwhile, I got a broken jaw. So right. I didn't want to let her know. Right. How old were you at that time? I was 20, I want to say 26, my late 20s. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing. So let me ask you another question. Um, What made you, or when was the first time that you shared that you were in a domestic violence situation? Did you tell, who did you tell or tell anybody but people mm. knew mm. because it was little things that they would see and then I had these friends and mm-hmm. like, why is he talking to you like that or mm-hmm. no you can't mm-mm. um I remember at one time I had a close friend that I made her she's still my best friend to this day and me and her wasn't the relationship that I was in at the time she knew him and it was like me and her wasn't even talking for some time because he did not want me to talk to her. He did not want me really to have like any friends. And she would say things, but it's just like, you know, I bet I love him, you know? Um, another incident, me and him, we went to a party together. It was a, you know, a friend of mine. It was one day, like he was actually nice, you know? And mm-hmm. he let me go to this party, but he was coming with me. He ended up hitting me at the party because he thought that I was looking at another guy. Oh my goodness. And my friends and like her brothers were not having that. Mm-hmm. But they was just like, if you go with him, you know, you're dumb. And what did I do? I took my happy ass and I went right with him. With him. Wow. And my friend's like, no. And then her brother's like, let her go, let her go. She want to be stupid. Then that's her, let her be stupid. And I swear to you not, three days later, I was on the phone with that same friend. And he came in a room, he would just get mad for no reason. And it was so weird because he came in the room, he had gloves on and he started just beating me. And I was on the phone and I'm happy that I was on the phone because right. if I wasn't, God knows what could have happened. Right. I know the cops kicking in my window. Thank God. And he had his knee on my back and he was choking me from behind. And the cops pulled him off, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, we was we was making love, and the officer, are you serious? <laughs> like they like they saw. <laughs> like, what are oh you, my like, goodness! You like you can't be serious. So she always brings up that day, and she mm-hmm. always tells me like, I don't ever want to experience like you were so much better than that. Like why are you? Just... And what my happy ass did, I still stayed. You did. Oh wow! I did. So what broke? What finally broke for you? Well, what was that awakening that said, this is it? I think what really broke for me, it was one day, um, mind you, during this time, I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he beat me, he choked me. And I woke up, like we was in the bathroom and he like choked me, lifted me up. And all I remember, I must've blacked out because I woke up in the bathroom on the floor and it was water because he was scared because he thought he killed me. Mm. 
So I woke up and I was like, okay. I was like, I can't. I was like, I have to. I got to save like my daughter. When I, like my mom, I was about to give birth soon, like a couple of weeks. So I know the next day I had like blood, my broken blood capillaries in my eyes. And my mom came up to visit and she's like, what, what's wrong with you? And I'm lying. And she just knew. Um, but that made me be like, okay, no. Not only could I, I could have died, my, my baby could have died. Like, right. it's not it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Live Fearless in Chronicles. We are so grateful for your support and your love. And we are grateful to our guest, Brittany Wright, for sharing her experience in such a transparent and vulnerable way. But guess what? This is not the end of her story. Tune in next week where we will finish up our interview with her where she shares more about her experience with abuse, but also you want to hear about the transformation in her process of healing. So join us next week here at Live Fearless in Chronicles. And remember, we love you. Stay safe. Remember to remain socially distant, but remain virtually connected. Signing out, I'm Yolanda Oliver, founder of Live Fearless Inc. Take care and have a blast. Stay.